0: Hello, Beatrice.
1: Hello, Rebecca.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
0: I am well, too, thank you.
1: What have you been doing the last week?
0: Um, well, I've actually been binge-watching The Deuce.
1: What's which The Deuce? <laughs> it's,
0: um, it's this TV series on HBO, which was that one of the producers is David Simon, you know, from The Wire. Oh, yeah yeah so it's like a similar sort of premise in that it's looking at a specific period so it's like early 70s new york and kind of thinking about kind of multiple stories multiple characters but also the kind of system and politics behind it so it's focused on um sex workers and pimps but it's like because the deuce was like a nickname for the times square area
1: at that time what does it actually and mean that you, so I don't know? I
0: don't know. Ah. I don't know. I've just kind of accepted what the TV program has told me, but I will try and find out for you. Um, in North American, it says two. Uh-huh. I'm just Googling this. Okay. So this is something we can reflect on and try yes. and understand better. But it's um, it's like this moment where there's a shift toward there's like changes in in sort of laws and kind of lapses of laws it seems like so that the porn porn film industry is starting to grow so one of the main characters played by Maggie Gillenhall is sort of at the towards the middle and end of the series is getting into making films more and sort of coming in off the street and making films so it's sort of looking at that and then it's just looking at the kind of you know the police and the kind of corruption in that area Mm -hmm. and Maggie Gyllenhaal is really really good in it she plays this character um, whose kind of sex worker name is Candy and she's also an executive producer so I think they've really tried to make it sort of non-exploitative of the way that women are depicted in it so there's like equal equal nudity and things.
1: Which is really difficult for such a subject I would have thought
0: Yeah, no I mean it really is because the foundation of it is exploitation and I think I don't know if they because they've been um, they've been okayed for a second season so I don't know if they'll show male sex workers but at the moment it's just female. Mm-hmm. but it's interesting um, I wanted to talk to you about the costumes Yeah. And sort of get your thoughts on that because um, it's interesting because it's like double costuming because there's obviously Anna Tarazis is the costume designer and obviously they're wearing costumes because they're actors playing this but it's also like like particularly Maggie Gillenhall, you see her going to visit her mother for example so you see her if you like her kind of real life outfits that she wears in her day-to-day but then you also see her sex work outfits yeah. so it's like her costuming herself which I thought was interesting
1: Yeah and I, I don't know whether I ever told you that I, that I supervised the student thesis and she was um, writing about sex workers she? Oh she inter- really? She interviewed some of them and that was really interesting, obviously her works so I won't say much about it, but one thing I, I, I will say is that there was one particular one who dressed almost like a tomboy or quite casual in, oh, her, in her in her uh non work life sort of in yes. private life, but then felt she had to dress in uh, sort of more clingy things for yes. for her work um the stuff definite... that's so
0: interesting, isn't it because um I also talked to the New york Times um to Ruth LaFla, who's this amazing journalist at the Times um, because she's really interested in how sex worker this sort of idea of the way that they dress the way it influences fashion Mm. and when we were talking she was sort of mentioning similar things and this kind of it's just such a sexualization and presentation and spectacular spectacularization of the body but at the same time in the juice it's quite downtrodden because you know this is not you know these are not high-class courtesans these Mm. are you know, people working on the street so it's really tough and it's interesting because you know they they wear clothes because when I was looking at it I was thinking it's like such a rough and difficult era for New York you yeah know, so sort of mm-hmm. gritty and awful and violent but but also like the zoning of the city and how this is sort of a part of the city you don't often see but um, but they're wearing clothes that I mean, clearly the costume designers used vintage and then also made things. But that at that period, you would have been able to get, like, 20s, 30s, 40s yeah. vintage. Mm-hmm. Well, it wouldn't even have been called vintage probably then, but, you, you know, for, like, nothing. So kind of where sex workers would have got their clothes. But a lot of the women were a lot of the characters were like, little, sort of tied in a knot. Um, between the breasts tops and little short shorts Ah, so so... there's lots of kind of showing off bottoms and cleavage um and they wear like little clingy dresses and you're very aware of like synthetic fabrics and how they really cling to to the skin I think and And
1: is there quite a lot of satin Uh,
0: not that much Ah, that's interesting actually maybe that's later 70s
1: yeah, because I I just remember what, in the sort of late seventies, there there was a sort of aubergine coloured pair of satin trousers on on you could buy them from a sort of girls magazine, and I I was so keen on them, but I knew my mother wouldn't approve, so I didn't oh, so I didn't write off for them. So that's for me, it's quite an oh, um, that's
0: that's a lost garment. Yeah, that, yeah, I that's should a, make a
1: list of all the things that got away. That, yeah,
0: uh, that that would be a whole you know tragic novel yeah your, your misery memoir of yeah clothes, garments you never
1: got your aubergine satin pants yeah but oh. what you said about it, it sounds also a bit like um jodie foster in taxi driver um, yeah
0: that that's definitely an influence mm. and apparently because because she was so young when she was in yeah
1: that. yeah apparently she was 12 which i can't that. quite believe <laughs>
0: Staggering. Yeah. Really.
1: Yeah. Staggering.
0: But I think the kind of look of the program, you can see that influence. And also, yeah, definitely the way that the women dress. I mean, there's there's definite distinctions between each character, which is obviously good. Mm. Um, I looked at some documentary photographs from the period, and they seem more covered up, the documentary photographs that oh, okay. I was looking at. But I guess... I guess for television you have to both, it's sort of a really interesting balance because clearly they're they're seeking, the makers are seeking to be more respectful to women, more equal in the way women are portrayed. But as you say the subject itself is really difficult from that perspective. But also there's like the vernacular of the way we expect sex workers Mm. to dress, Mm. so you kind of have to have elements of that within it. and it's interesting to me as well because both in the sort of off stage when they're in their private lives and the characters who aren't even sex workers um they it's really clear they're not wearing bras Mm. and I know that you know that would have been like New York so a more sort of um I don't know not avant-garde but a more daring place, if yeah. I can put it like that. Yeah. But really interesting that you can actually see the shape of women's breasts and you can actually see nipples.
1: Yeah, and they're natural which, they're, presumably, yes, I guess. Yes, yeah. yes, mm. exactly. Mm. And
0: that it was making me kind of think about that because of the kind of free the nipple campaign but yeah. also, like, when did it become taboo? And, and I wonder if it's like the Wonder Bra in the early 90s which was really, like, shaping and smoothing out. So and the padded. And um, what, sorry? Headed.
1: That's yes, the thing. Exactly. Yeah, you get. No, be- so go on. Yeah, because I re- uh, in the 70s, I remember there were bras that were like tights. They were oh, really? the same. Yeah, they were like tights that came in different colors. But that ah. was sort you know, they weren't any thicker than that. I mean, they didn't basically have really no purpose in a way. They <laughs> didn't really do anything, but they were quite pretty, I guess. And they came in... I was going to say, it sounds nice. Yeah, and they came in absolutely tiny um, packaging. So they came in little boxes. Because, I mean, they, I guess the good thing about them is, which you can't really do with a fully padded Wonder Bride, they pack really small <laughs> Yeah. with a big a big. Had a bra you you know or however you fold it it's still going to take up quite a bit of space yeah yeah, yeah. i wonder whether whether it's that or whether it was already a little bit earlier um i don't
0: know i don't know we should really think about it because it's really interesting because it is it's like it's it's almost like it's mimicking the shape of a fake breast which is Which is completely smoothed out Mm. and regular sized and And symmetrical and everything and round. Yeah,
1: or spherical or whatever the word word is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But also just the idea that that was just the norm, that you could actually see the shape of of women's breasts. Yeah. I get. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess that must be. I mean, maybe not, not a good idea to get into it too much. Um,
0: no, but, I know I'm starting to um, regret raising
1: this, but no. um, but I guess that that also, you know, how how women actually looked without their clothes on in porn must have, might have been such a different thing too. To well, now. yeah, mm. I mean
0: it. Yeah, absolutely, and and I'm sure that sort of the rise of plastic surgery has a huge tra- impact both on underwear and on on the sort of body as represented in porn Mm. and I mean if anything it's gone more towards the porn aesthetic yeah but the other the other thing well there was there were a lot of things that were coming up for me when watching it in terms of the costume um because it's sort of interesting seeing the way that they dress the pimps because they look very sharp you know they're wearing like pinstripes they've got like a feather in their hat canes one of them at one point wears um like a leather jerkin in a sort of tan orangey tan with matching leather pants which is quite something Um, but they don't go really I know but they don't go really over the top and I read the costume design saying they didn't want it to be too costumey and I guess it's like it's like again sort of not making it so distracting that you're just thinking about what the what that character is wearing.
1: Yeah, and not glamorising it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, not having yeah. all these glamorous pimps in your and, and
0: And one of them is played by Method Man from Wu-Tang Clan, so I was pleased about that. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but then also, um, you will be pleased because I know that you're interested in the way that costume designers do or don't age costumes. Mm. And... I read that that the costume designer was really interested, like Maggie Gyllenhaal's, um, like working clothes, if I can call that, have got like cigarette burns on and things, which you don't necessarily Mm. see on screen. I mean, you can definitely tell that she wears this um, little fur chubby jacket, which is is really great for the character and really works because it it refers sort of back to like the 40s when they were worn um and you really feel it's something that you could have got in the you know second hand really cheap but it looks really quite ratty you know it's not like glamorous i mean yeah. it, it is but it isn't you know you can see it's run down and she apparently like aged um the the collars of the pimp shirts and things like that so that they're both you know, kind of quite slick, but also they look a bit downtrodden.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. I was wondering, did you did you watch Boogie Nights when it came out?
0: Yes, yes. Oh, that's an interesting reference as well. Yeah,
1: I I don't I don't think from what I remember their clothes were that great. I don't know, maybe I misremember. And in, in terms mean, of, yeah, mean it's I mean, interesting. Or? Interesting and also. I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that clothes have to be super realistic or, you know, really true to the period no, no. to be good. But um, I don't know. That was. I don't know. If I've just. I'm just looking at some pictures, and it. It just doesn't seem quite right. It. it seems to show more the influence of the period when it was made. Yes.
0: Because um, it's also. I was thinking, like, what you think of in New York in the '70s is Studio 54, and like, yes. super glamour. And like sex in a completely different kind of context. Mm. And it's, I mean, that's, that's later, that's later in the seventies, obviously. But it's sort of interesting that this is before that. And, and another, another thing that's really good is um, the wigs, which again, some of them look really quite, you know, battered wigs. Um, and how at one point, even one of the, the, the younger sex workers for her first porn film, she wants to wear this, this wig because she doesn't want to be recognized and like mm, Maggie Hall mm. who's like the sort of older, more experienced character, is saying to her, you know, sort of don't worry about it, be yourself. So she takes this wig off and it's this big moment. But it's sort of interesting that when the Maggie Hall character is being candy and out on the street, she has this kind of really quite um, you know, distressed looking blonde bubble wig that she wears. Um and she wears like a red wig and, you know, different colours. So it's I I think that's interesting of of like, again, of it being like a performance and of it being you, but not you. And there's this one wig that another young um, character wears that the whole time I was watching, you're going to like this because this is such a bad comparison, but it shows how you can find art history in everything, that it's like this big, um, like black curly wig that. Quite loose curls, are quite high on the head, all over the head, and then it has like a curly, um ponytail that hangs down. And I eventually realised it's like a Gainsborough woman. Oh wow! It's like a it's like a seventeen eighties <laughs> wig, but not powdered. I wonder. It's why, so funny.
1: <laughs> I wonder whether they that was a reference they were aware of.
0: I don't know because it was like as I said the whole way through because you can really see how both wigs and natural hair. You could see like 60s influences, you know, that obviously it's just the turn of the decade so you've still got a lot of kind of big 60s teased hair. But yeah, that one really stood out to me as this real sort of bouffant um, 1780s Gainsborough style.
1: You know, my favourite hairstyle is um, Hannah Shigula in Katzelmacher, you know, in the Fassbinder film.
0: And she oh, really?
1: has a really big. I think it must be a wig. I'm not quite sure. It might not be. Maybe she her hair. She managed to get her hair like this, but it it is a bit sort of curly, curly blonde, curly. Well, I think it is a wig. Wow. But that's absolutely my favorite thing. But in terms of hair, you have to send me a picture. Yeah, of this. I will. I will do. Um, but what I find so interesting because I I my, in the 70s my my mother had a wig and it was like. Oh really? Yes, and it was like her normal hair. So it it was actually like oh. yes, and I, I I I should ask her about it because I I never quite understood that, but I, I thought maybe at that point washing your hair was such a big deal because you had to put oh. it in curlers, yes, and yes. then we had one of these hovercraft type things, you know, you put on your hair to to, to, he, to blow like dry a them, plastic bag yeah, and up. exactly, and um, I it just. I, it, it's just washing your hair seemed like a big thing. I think there's sort of, you know, some people say it's excuse, I, I can't come because I'm washing my hair. I think at that point that was actually really a fact. You know, it would take ah. you... Maybe I'm wrong, but I that that always does. That... No,
0: I think you're probably right. I mean, because products wouldn't have been so good, so it was probably more laborious. Mm-hmm. And as you say, there wasn't a the sort of sense. I mean, I suppose it's like later into the 70s that you would have just washed your hair and your hair was done. Yeah, than yeah. the idea that, that you have to then put more effort into it and curl it or Yeah,
1: and set it and whatever mm-hmm. the wording is, yeah.
0: And but did, I think also, sorry go on
1: I was wondering you said you talked about um you, you took to the journalist about the influence and and fashion of, of, of this
0: yeah so what was well, you well one of the things she was talking about was like Stephen Klein's photographs and how you think he, you know that they're, they're really kind of edgy and you know fishnets and garters and plastic and like um you know, sort of thigh boots um, in sort of shiny plastics and stuff mm. and patent. And I think you can definitely see that influence in fashion and maybe even more in representation than in actual clothes. Okay. Maybe. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think it's sort of interesting because, I mean, it, it obviously I think now in terms of the influence on fashion, it as much links to porn as it does to sex workers per se. I mean, I guess they're all sex workers, but if you see what I mean, it's like like representation, mimicking representation, if you see what
1: I mean. Mm. Um,
0: And I think definitely this kind of smoothing out of the body relates to an idea that the body has to be perfect and and manufactured, whether it's through the gym or through um, surgery. Mm. Uh, But it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting watching a show that's looking at before that, and that kind of reminds you how much all of that has just become day to day, how women dress, mm. and this sort of panic about, you know, nipples and things, which just seems so ridiculous now. And considering, in you know, within living memory to some people, that was just how, how women it was. Looked. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. I wonder why they were doing this TV. Is it TV? You said, yeah, it is. Yeah. I yeah. wonder why so, they, they. this was done now, whether, whether that's part of a bigger thing or, um, I don't know. You
0: mean a bigger movement, an interest
1: in that era? Or? Yeah, in that era or in the sort of it's it almost feels like these are these are this might might sound weird but it almost feels like these are the sort of innocent days of porn in a way and maybe it's some sort of weird nostalgia, you know? Um, oh, that's I don't know.
0: interesting. That's interesting because because definitely the Maggie Gyllenhaal character it's it's very much portrayed as like an improvement for her doing that than being on the street which I can see may well be true um and also that she starts to get really interested in how you actually make the films so although she's still a performer in the film she's starting to sort of do direction and thinking about set and this sort of thing so I guess there is a nostalgia mm. um and I think there is this, maybe a nostalgia more broadly, yeah, um,
1: mm.
0: yeah. within within our culture of, yeah. of, of this like innocence. And I suppose it's also pre digital, so it's a completely like the, the fact that that you know men would have to go to sex shops or to specific cinemas to see these
1: oh that's true of course as well. yeah, well yeah, you can't so it's just not
0: like access to all of this is completely
1: behind that's true that's that was very very different
0: yeah so you so you get like you know saying about how it's interesting the idea of sort of the city as zones and the idea that the deuce is like this specific zone that i guess many new yorkers would never go to be hardly you know would kind of completely tune out that area and stay in their own Part of town, and you would then just not be exposed to any of that. Whereas now, it's much more pervasive and much more accessible, and mm. those kind of distinct boundary lines are gone. Mm. And just this, just the idea that there's this this sort of chunk of the city that is owned by this industry almost.
1: And it's interesting that I I don't know I mean I haven't been to New York for so long, but I I I remember from reading about Kerouac and the Beats that that at that point, which would have been the sort of fifties, it was a, it was a bad area as well. Yeah. Times Square. Um, I mean,
0: now it's a bad area because it's just full of gigantic, hideous chain stores and, and flashing signs and theater taps.
1: Mm. I mean, it still
0: looked like a nice, chic area or something or a gentrified mm. area, but it is very, very different. Mm. I suppose it's like Soho in London
1: oh yeah um, yeah that, in the, that
0: was like the area mm. which has now become a you know that remnants of that may still be there but it's not the dominant yeah, character that's true. of that yeah of that area it yeah that area um but yeah i think it's worth watching
1: oh yeah i must try it. i definitely must try and watch it um, yeah,
0: yeah and and definitely i think you're right the, the sort of um references to taxi driver and i read that they also were looking at this film i've never seen called um panic in needle park that's apparently about heroin addicts have you seen it
1: no i um you know this other post podcast i keep talking about that you must remember this um oh, yeah she had a series is it is it by a woman panic in needle park Um, I think it is. And, um, yeah, it's sort of, it's, it came, it came up then and I thought I have to, I have to watch it, but I haven't. Yeah. So I definitely need to, um, need to do that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, oh no, it's not, it's not, it's not by Woman. obviously makes it, makes it up, but screen paper by John Didion, which is interesting. Oh, that's
0: interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, we must watch
1: that one then. And, um in terms I've just got one other question about the juice but maybe you can't you can't say having it not right in front of you but do they do what are the colors like
0: that was something i was thinking about that that it's really interesting kind of how it links to the sets as well because there's like them on the street where you have the kind of grimy pavements and it's all quite gray and black but then then the the neon it is neon but it's quite kind of leached out and a kind of um like a sort of yellow yellowy with some red so that's kind of reflecting on them and i think they were there's quite a bit of kind of dirty white Mm -hmm. um costume but then also sort of um rusty reds and browns and and a lot of the sets are quite brown which is very much of that era Mm -hmm. and also a lot of denim so so there's like one girl who's sort of meant to be straight off the bus um from a small town and she like arrives in Denham, and she wears more denim and it was interesting in the finale they see um you know somebody who's supposed to be linda lovelace they go and see oh, yeah. Dean's throat. So, so that's like you know that there's this sort of glamorous opportunity to be a star mm. a kind of a kind of alternative hollywood to hollywood and she's wearing in in the sort of you know i don't know if it's the premiere or a big presentation of it she's wearing a kind of very an inverted commas, peasant dress. You know, oh, that kind okay. of 70s, sort of, um, you know, mid... mid
1: um, Mid-European I mean? mid or Middle European? Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing, like mm.
0: frilly, um, self-coloured embroidery, lots of buttons. And the girl who, the, 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 the sex worker who has been in a couple of films who kind of aspires to that, it's sort of interesting because it's like she's wearing... A sort of version of that, but they're kind of not quite their version. So, you know, Linda Lovelace is is, is all in white and sort of glamorous. And then she's got a dress that's quite quite strange. I don't know if it's denim, but it's sort of dark blue mini, like fitted, um, that sort of comes up onto the bodice. And then it's got, but it's got those sleeves, those kind of like um, very full balloon sleeves.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: it's sort of interesting because it's as though her costume is referring to Linda Lovelace, but she's not there yet. She's still stuck in the 60s you know in little sheath dresses so it's, it's it's a very interesting contrast or like comparison I mean yeah between the two women
1: Well it sounds uh, like definitely. the 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 costumes are really great for that film
0: I I thought they were really good and I think I think it's sort of really interesting that as I say you get glimpses of them in their private lives you get lots of really good denim that's, like, really tight on the bum and then flared. So you see that both for men and women, really good jeans. And, like, seamed, really interestingly Mm. to to sort of enhance that style. So you see quite a lot of denim, which you would expect, and, like, denim shirts and things. I haven't even mentioned that James Franco plays Twins in it. Oh, wow. Um, Twins? I know. Mm. Twins. So there's that which we haven't even discussed, yeah. And it's sort of interesting. Yeah, I think it is really interesting, and I think it is quite subtle. I think it's like if you really look at it, there are little nuances. And I think also I don't know who did the set design, but I think the set design is really interesting. Like when you see their flats, at their apartments, I should say, mm. and the that, and then also one of them or some of them open a not the women, the men open a massage parlour, and like the VIP area of that is crazy compared to you know the girls who are just you know being chosen in that usual way of like you know a man comes in and there's four women and which one does he choose and that sort of idea so yeah i think it is good
1: wow i really need to watch it um I don't really have much to talk about this week. I was sort of knuckling down at work, working on new acquisitions, um, ah. and uh, but I can't talk about them yet because no, they, haven't, they haven't they haven't gone through the process. Acquired. Yeah, and <laughs> but um, weirdly, wigs came up um, as well this week. Someone is giving their mother's outfit, um, which is a sort of psychedelic '70s. Weirdly, also uh oh, number, wow. so a pair of flared trousers and a top and she apparently wore that together with a blonde wig even though she had dark hair. Oh. So and, and is it what's
0: the wig like?
1: Uh, the wig unfortunately we don't have so and, oh, and, and, and there is no visual evidence, so I have to take her word for it. I've asked her to write it all down. Um but yeah that whole seventies wig thing is definitely I mean quite into wigs interested in wigs anyway in wig making yeah. in London which was a big um thing obviously in the 18th century so um it's definitely something i need to look into i look into a bit more um
0: interesting because natural breasts fake hair
1: yeah yeah that's our message yeah that's our message i think this is this is the note on which we should end i think i agree
0: i don't think we should take it any further no no all right we're going to talk to you next week yeah talk to you next week bye bye